BigGreenFan.com, Rise and Shout Podcast, episode 436. Get all of your BYU sport news at CougarFan.com. Matt, have you started watching season two of The Mandalorian? I have not. I have not. <sighs> You're the worst. That's not true. You're not the worst. I mean, bottom ten, I'm maybe. Among the worst. But, among uh, the worst? Yeah, among. Um, Randy Whittle on off of Facebook, he's got... A question for us. Mandalorian thoughts on season two so far. Although 2020 has been a major bummer for most things, is this the highest ranked both our football and basketball teams have been in the same year? Um, first off, let's talk about Mandalorian season two. Since you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil it for all of you. They kill Han Solo. Oh, man. Um, not again. Not again? Why do they keep killing the guy? Um, it is it is really good. Uh, the first uh, three episodes have been quite good. They've been quite good. Uh, we didn't need that. We didn't need that spoiler, Adam. Um, sorry, I am. I've. I cannot tell you whether I've enjoyed them or not, but I am highly anticipating Friday's new episode. I've even considered waking up, uh, setting an alarm for one a.m. and watching it at one a.m. That's messed up. That's just messed up. Why would you? Why, there's no such thing as appointment television anymore. Why would you do that? Well, what if I see spoilers on the tweeter tweeter machine? Uh, it's pretty easy to avoid the tweeter machine. Mm, mm, that's I true. I spend a lot of time avoiding Twitter. <laughs> well, we'll get back. We'll not. We'll get back to Randy's other question about uh, football and basketball teams. But the answer is um, not in a very long time. Right? I mean, we haven't had. Since we've started recording this podcast over 10 years, we've never had a great basketball team and a great football team in the same year. Calendar or otherwise. So, it's been a while. What about like 06 or 09? I was going to say, what about like that that time period? There might have been actually an overlap there. Yeah, but we didn't have the podcast back then. Wow, there was there was BYU sports before we had a podcast. Uh, yes, actually, in a lot of ways, better BYU sports. Not because we're bringing it down, because we're not bringing it down. We are not. We're the best. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'll look that up later. All right, um, let's move on and get into. And by the way. I feel like we're in a golden era of BYU. We're in a golden era, in era of Star Wars. Not this last trilogy. It was garbage. But The Mandalorian is quite good. And if you go back and watch Clone Wars, Rebels, good television, friends. Oh, do you know what I read today? That what Lucas in 2012, when he was thinking about doing a sequel trilogy, what the what the storyline was? Have you read this? Probably not. No, I've not read it. this. Darth Maul would have been the villain. And he was running the criminal underground, and he decided to bring the Sith back and take out Luke and the uh, new Jedi. That could have been cool. I mean, it's all in execution, right? But it's a better idea, I think, than what got actually made. (laughs) Anyway, all right, let's jump into the tweet bag. Tweet bag. So we start off with Justin Sweeney. Sweeney! Is there a way to combine uniform and hot dog banter? Like which uni looks best while eating a hot dog sandwich? 
These are actual UK soccer club kits, and he shows these atrocious hot dog uniforms. They are unfortunate in so many ways. I I don't even know what to do with this. I'm just staring at it, and I think I'm lost. I like it's got to be a joke, right? Like how serious these guys all look. Like they're trying to take these soccer kits seriously. I mean, the guy, the second guy in from the left, if you look closely, he's got one yellow sock and one red sock. To match mustard and ketchup. Well, and they match the pattern on his shorts. Like, so the mustard's coming down his right leg, so his right leg, like, you know how they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? The mustard terminates on the short legging of his right leg and goes to a yellow sock and the ketchup on the left, on his left. Uh, That's messed up, guys. I am... uh favoriting that so you can find it folks on our tweet page uh what i will say is this it also says heck on the front yeah oh my heck oh my heck these are the worst um all right but i kind of want to order one at the same time (laughs) making me hungry it's like a a bad halloween costume these guys have. yeah 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 that's what it is it's a bad halloween costume it's like you combined hot dog and soccer player in together it's very strange. All right. So we have an email. And, of course, if you want to email the show, you can do it at riseandshotpod at gmail.com. And, by the way, you and Sweeney are the worst. You're making fun of me about me messing up the email address? Like I That was in a DM. You don't have to bring that up. That was in, that was oh, in the I'm, DMs. That's, I'm, this isn't public. Now I'm bringing you're it up. public and embarrass yourself, but that's I'm, your own choice. I'm not embarrassing myself. I haven't messed up the email address in, like, a year. So if Sweeney False. doesn't know the email address, that's his problem. Um, False. My False. my you daughter messed it up in, during the during COVID. You've messed it up this year. No, I haven't. I yes, don't believe you that's have. true. You've on at least two occasions in the last couple months. You've been like uh, rise and shout at Gmail. No, wait a minute, rise and shout pod. Yeah, it's rise and shout pod. You've done that a couple no, of times. I don't think that's true. I think I you guys think are wrong. I think you guys are wrong. Really? Because I've had multiple people reach out to me in the last couple of weeks. Twitter or otherwise asking me what the email address well, is. That's because their memories are bad. It's not my fault. Hmm. My daughter pulled it off. What's wrong with you people? Well, that's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, and David pulled it off, our nephew. and He's, he's got... one of the people that reached out to me, just in full disclosure. Well, again, maybe he just has a bad memory. <laughs> all right. Hello, Matt. And then in parentheses, and Adam. That's a little insulting, David. Um, it's well, well, and David needs to understand who checks these emails because it's not me. <laughs> but I forward them all to you. Um, yes, you do. I have been trying to get my wife more interested in BYU sports, and one thing has been talking about this podcast. I mentioned this hot dog is a sandwich question. This was only part of the. This was the only part of the podcast she took any interest in. <laughs> she refused. Fair enough. Adam's statement that a hot dog is a taco because tacos have to be made with unleavened bread. I don't believe that's true, Sarah. I'm sorry, well, but I, I don't think that's factual. It's about the philosophy you espouse, right? So you've adopted the box theory of food, and the box theory does not make a distinction between leavened and unleavened bread. Um, but uh, I, I believe that... Uh, I believe Sister Mangum here has a point. Um, no, I, aren't flour tortillas leavened bread? 
No. Hmm. Not corn tortillas are. No, I don't think that's the point. I don't think I don't think the when when people put together flour tortillas, they were trying to meet some biblical definition of leaven. I'm going to take Sarah's word for it here because she knows more um, about food than I do. That's for sure. She knows more. That's right. She she if if I if I may if I may just go ahead and say this, uh, she put together a wedding cake that was amazing. She did. Um, and was a lot of fun to watch them shove into each other's faces. But I, I think she knows what she's. I think she knows what she's talking about here. I'm. I'm I just think gonna it's take, right. I'm not going to Google it. I'm just I, gonna, going to assume that she's. They correct. have no yeast, baking powder, or baking soda. Yeah, I don't right. even know why you would have doubted this. Um, I don't know because I, I don't like arguments that refute my argument. I think. I think what she's saying is is that to really understand whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich, we need a framework that is slightly more nuanced than the box theory. No, no, we don't. The box theory is the theory. Accept it and move on, people. Doesn't the box theory say that pizza is a quiche? Yes, it does. It's yeah, see, the this, best this quiche. Make any sense. It's the best quiche around. Sense. It makes perfect quiche. sense. It's consistent and it's reliable. It just is defies everything else we say about food. <laughs> All right. In real BYU sports talk, he says, I'm curious about Matt's opinion on the outlook of Sarah Hampson's senior year since she was just named on the Lisa Leslie Award watch list. By the way, he is fulfilling your desire to discuss women's hoops. He saved me a bunch of time because now I didn't have to put together my own women's hoops question. That's right. And, and his question, as you read it, we're all going to find out that it's very well researched. It's it great. Is. It is. He says, of course, she is going to be compared to her older sister and mother, who were both amazing centers for the Cougars and hold plenty of defense and rebounding records. As of right now, a member of the Hampson family holds four of the top ten single-season rebounding seasons. I didn't say that right. But uh, Sarah would need to pull down 245 boards to crack the top ten. Sarah has had two 200-rebound seasons, so uh, assuming she can play the year, uh, ignoring COVID cancellations, what are the chances she makes it to 245 this year? Uh, I'm going to s- leave that up to you. You you follow women's hoops more than I do. And by by the way, he had hashtag tweet bag, hashtag climb on in, hashtag I know hashtags don't work here, meaning email. That's true. So what do you got, Matt? Yeah, is hashtags, she going to hashtags don't don't work don't work there? Yeah. Are you are you, are you thinking Sarah Hampson's going to get? 245 boards or more over under on that one. Hey, look, I mean, last year she, she, she topped out at 228, 228, 228 boards. And, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, you look at the full, she, she was averaging just under eight rebounds a game. Um, and it looks like they're going to get pretty full schedules in, in basketball. Uh, I, I think she absolutely could hit that mark this year, which, which is ridiculous. Um, you know, this is somebody, you know, she clearly deserves to be in this conversation for the Lisa Leslie award. You know, she's coming off this you know, junior season with just over seven points a game. I said eight rebounds a game and four and a half blocks per game. Um, you know, she's, she's a defensive powerhouse. I mean, and if you look, and if you think about, you know, the way he's asked this question, um, uh, and, and the way he's set up, you know, some of the stuff about some stuff about her family and all this. I mean, has there been a family as dominant in a single sport as the Hampsons have been in women's basketball? I mean, it's generations of players. But yeah, can she get to 245 boards to crack the top 10? She absolutely can. I believe that she will. 
Did I lose you? I was on mute. It's like oh, a regular conference geez. call. It's like a work oh, conference geez. call. That's I was that guy. That is serious that is 2020, 2020 business right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I think she at least gets into the five finalists for this award. Um, I, I think she's going to have a great year. This team is poised to be very competitive in the West Coast Conference. Should I just go ahead with the rest of my thoughts on women's basketball? No, right no. Now? Let me let me come with thoughts on Sarah before we move on to okay. the rest of your thoughts. I think she doesn't get to 245 because, as we've seen with college football the last few weeks, I just think there's going to be a bunch of cancellations. They'll get through the season. I just don't know if she'll get to 245 because of the number of games that she plays, right? Uh, I think, you know, she will probably become, I think I think her mom's first in blocks and her sister's second. I think she's got a good chance to pass her sister, but her mom's record is like, she would have to block, she'd have to average like nine blocks a game this year to, to break her mom's like record of 400 and something blocks, which is kind of amazing when you think about it, right? Uh, how good her, uh, um, how good her mom was um as well and at six seven what is she like the shortest samson i forget how yeah. tall her mom was but i mean is she is she like what do they call her shorty you know i mean yeah, you, how, how, you're, yeah you're like the runt of the family at six seven yeah 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 it's it's kind of crazy actually um but anyway i think she'll have a great season i yeah, i think I mean, she may end up short just because of covid I mean, but last year, I understand that the season wasn't, like, too truncated, the 2019-2020 season. I mean, I think we stopped playing basketball. I just looked this up. Women's basketball stopped on March 12th, right? So, I mean, you missed the tournament. And she still had 228 boards. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm. it's certainly possible. I just think that may end up, yeah, that may end up getting her. So... I hope I hope you're right. So yeah, maybe she doesn't get there, but I, I think the way that teams have to have to play have to plan for her, you know, and uh, it and it I think it helps to have Gonzaga in the conference. Um, you know, th- this is a women's basketball team that I think most people expect to be playing in the tournament. Uh, I've seen them predicted at, at around a ten seed. So I, I think she's going to have get plenty of attention. So even if she doesn't hit that number on the boards, I. I, uh, you know, I think she's, I think she's got an opportunity at, at this award, if not, and also a repeat of uh, the the conference defensive player of the year, um, and then, you know, and then a shot in the WNBA. And you know, I've heard she's pretty good at volleyball too. It is is that a surprise to anybody, <laughs> given given her family history? No, no, that's funny. All right. Um, anyway, all right. So, what are your the rest of your thoughts on this? I I think this team basketball. can make a run. I think this team's going to make a run at winning the conference. Um, with Shaley Gonzalez coming back off an injury, uh, you know, and so you've got you, you've you've basically got your this top three uh, set of players back, right? Um, uh, with uh, is it Paisley Johnson Harding? Did I, yeah. So I was, I was worried I was going to flip uh, flip her last name and say it backwards, but. Uh, you get the you get all three of these back in here. Uh, I I think this is going to be a really formidable team. So I and Gonzaga just like in men's hoop is is kind of the perennial winner here of the regular season conference title. But I, I think we've got a real shot um, at upending them this year. I, this is going to be a fun team to watch, and I think they 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 can they can make a lot of noise. I'm very excited uh, for uh, for Gonzalez 
get back on the court after having to take the year off of the injury. Um, yeah. So you get all of the pieces back together. You come in. You've got a full season. Hopefully, you know, you know, COVID willing, you get you get your whole you get your whole season back together. I, this could be a really exciting time for BYU women's basketball. Yeah, and speaking of that, you know, the men's tournament's going to it sounds like be all happen in Indianapolis, uh, and it sounds like the women's they they haven't announced that yet, but they did make an announcement that they're looking at it. My guess would be that the women's tournament they do something similar. Right, and they're saying it's not a bubble; it's a controlled environment or something. I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's not going to be like the NBA bubble, right? They're not going to be stuck there for. Though maybe they should, right? Can you imagine these guys going back to campus and then coming back? Shouldn't it be a bubble if you want to actually finish the tournament? I mean, what yeah. would you do if, like, pick good team next year? Gonzaga will pick pick Gonzaga if three of their players test positive in the middle of the tournament because you sent them home? But see, here's the problem. For a lot of those schools, the financial resources to then participate in the tournament if you make a run are going to be are going to be real problematic. Well, I think the NCAA makes billions off of this. You, see, you supplement. You pay. What, the NCAA? What? Adam, if they, don't, if they aren't able to keep those billions, how are they supposed to make sure that you only took one packet of cream cheese? <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, you can't, you can't cut their budget. That wouldn't be right. They, they, have, they can legally earn money off of the name, likeness, and image of these college athletes. Why would you take their money away and give it to the athletes? That's crazy talk. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if you, if you really want to do this without, without... I mean, I think that the, from a COVID standpoint... Um, a tournament where they're in in some location for a weekend, then they go back to campus, then back to a location for the weekend is like the worst. Especially yeah. if the, every, all of every round is played in Indian Indianapolis, because yeah. now every single team is going back to their campus, and every single team is coming back to this bubble. Like, it's it's actually from a like a virus transmission standpoint, it seems like a terrible idea. Well, I mean, the NBA showed us and the NHL showed us the most secure way of playing all of the games you have scheduled. So the, so the blueprint is there if other leagues want to follow. The NFL decided not to do that, which makes sense based on the logistics of it. And in football, I think you have less risk because, well, it's the NFL, so they have a ton of money to test. But you just have bigger rosters, right? The In basketball, you're host, Right. You get an outbreak of three, you may not be able to field your team uh, at a competitive level, right? Right. I uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what. Uh, how well, and how do you, and how do you and what and, and just think about the contact tracing on a basketball roster and the fact that you're scrimmaging each other every day. Everybody. Right. Like one person tests positive, like it's I think everybody. you just contra- contact trace your entire roster. Yeah, it's a it's a mess. I mean. Um, Indiana State, right, shut down their program for two weeks because they had a couple of guys test positive. Um, you know, so I think they started practice up again today or maybe they're starting tomorrow and they've got a game in a week. So, I, I mean, anyway, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Great question, David. Thank you. Um, speaking of the NFL, Gary Payne and our brother Don want to know about Taysom. So Gary Payne at FastBreakGP on Twitter. And of course, you can tweet at us at BYU underscore Rice Shop. Taysom to get his first start. And Don asked the same thing. Um, you and I have been very clear that we didn't think Taysom Hill was going to start 
for the Saints. Um, now that Breeze is hurt, though, it's a different deal. So who do you think is under center starting for the Saints this weekend? This is the ultimate bad scenario for Sean Payton. Because Sean Payton, they kept Taysom Hill in New Orleans by convincing him that he was the backup quarterback. And had a shot. Yes. To play. Yes. But to play but, quarterback. Correct. But what this is why they say this is why they signed Winston. Is that if Breeze went down, Winston would step in. And that's what they're going to do. It's not what I would do. Um, you know, Winston plays every game as if he has the other team on his fantasy team. So on the the opposing defense on his fantasy team, right? So I, I I wouldn't start Winston over Hill, but that's because I believe that Hill can make the throws. Um, does the New Orleans coaching staff believe Hill can make the throws? I, I don't know. The press does not. Um, the press, you know, and if you look at, you know, and, and you look a little bit in the local press in New Orleans and some of the national pundits, you know, the, they talk about Taysom Hill as, you know, he's, he's, he's a gadget guy and he can still do the things that he does for that offense with Winston under center. But you, you know, but you lose all that if you put Taysom under center. Uh, so I think Taysom Hill is an NFL quarterback. If Sean Payton really believes that, then we're going to see him start. But they're going to have, I believe they're going to have problems in New Orleans if Taysom Hill is not the starting quarterback this weekend. Um, I, I think that, I think at that point you've got to, you have a, you know, you've got a disgruntled Taysom Hill because cool. I believe he was sold on. You are the guy. We I believe in you are as the future quarterback for this for this franchise. I think you'll have more than problems with Taysom. I think you're going to have problems with a lot of the rest of the roster. Um, you know, the the New Orleans Saints beat reporters have been very clear about how popular he is. His work ethic, his attitude, his willingness to play special teams as a quarterback, right? Like he's everything that people thought uh, that Tim Tebow would be if he stuck around the NFL, right? Like, but, but Tebow was unwilling to do what Hill's doing, right? Be the gadget guy. So I think you're going to have locker room problems. Jason, uh, James Winston has never been popular in his locker rooms, right? Um, the His first four interception game, which by the way, will be this weekend if he gets most of the snaps, is going to get everybody turned off, right? Now, Hill's had some fumbleitis too. So they're, you know... Um, he dropped one this weekend. Yep. So I think in the end, the real question is, you've been having Hill play five different positions. Can you actually, and and Winston has been taking the second team snaps. From a football perspective, I think you have to go with Winston because I don't know if Hill's ready to do it. Now, if I were him, what I would do if I were Sean Payton, and not that he's asking for our advice, um, I would do, I would split it up, man. I think this is your chance to Jameis Winston is not the answer. It's not Teddy Bridgewater, right? You don't have a guy that's a starter. I think Winston has proved he's not one uh, with lots of sample size. Uh, I think you split it up and and have, you know, I don't know, 60-40 snaps. Um, now, I don't think he is going to do that because in the NFL and in college, both people are so adamant against um two two quarterback systems people just don't like it it's it's very it's difficult to make it work for whatever reason it's eh. very rare it eh. works sometimes but it's rare 
I think it's rare because the second quarterback is usually way worse, right? That's why I think it doesn't end up working is you, you take a step back with your offense. In this case, I think this is the case of like when Tebow, remember as a freshman, they'd bring him in to just do certain things in the offense. I think this is your analogous to that, right? Where you have a backup and a starting quarterback that are just way different. I mean, Hill cannot throw the deep ball like Winston does, right? Winston can throw the ball like a billion miles. And I know he can do it in practice. Hill can. But, I mean, we saw it at BYU. He was not a deep thrower like Zach Wilson is, right? Um, Winston's problem is he falls in love with his arm, right? And he's going to throw it down the field even if it's into triple coverage. Now, if you're Kyler Murray, you can do that and you have DeAndre Hopkins to jump and catch. How are the Texans doing yeah, this year? That, huh? How about that, huh? They, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's. He's yeah. he's terrible. Like he's just terrible. I mean, uh, you didn't you don't pay, you don't pay Hopkins, so you can let him go and then go get an, a mediocre offensive lineman that's never been to a Pro Bowl, and and way overpay for him. Yeah. Well, and here's the I, thing. I've heard some criticism. Very, the whole thing is bizarre. I've heard some criticism of oh, well, who are the Cardinals playing on Sunday? And I can't think of it. They came back and scored the Bills. Who did the Cardinals I've beat? Highlight. Like I've watched that highlight a bunch, and now I can't remember it. Um, but I've heard some criticism of well, the defensive backs needed to knock it down. Where was their opportunity? To, it was the Bills. Where was their opportunity to knock it down again? Didn't all three of them Dude, jump as high as they possibly could and get their hands on the ball? I mean, this was not the defensive back's fault. In the no, end... they were just outplayed by Hopkins. They were outplayed by Hopkins, and Murray threw the ball only where Hopkins could get it. I mean, As he was falling out of bounds and then ended up watching it on the jumbo drum, right? <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And the other facing, thing is... Facing the other direction. Murray is quite good and has proven that this year. He's having a tremendous year. I would say, though, I mean, how many times out of 100 does he put the ball there? Maybe 10? Times out of 100? Maybe less? Oh, man, that is a tough throw to make on the run. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's higher than 10. But it's not 50, right? That he makes, puts the throw there. Rolling out of bounds, like off of one foot. Yeah, that's a tough throw. So, I mean, the Bills got beat by uh, one of the best receivers in football making a superb play and uh, a throw that gets made less than 50% of the time, probably a lot less. So I don't fault those defensive backs. This isn't one of those where they had a shot at it to knock it down and they failed to do that. They tried. No, they just, Hopkins just made a play. Yeah, he made a heck of a play. So anyway, but coming right. back to Taysom, what I think what I think is going to happen this week is that Winston's going to start. That's what I believe will happen. It's yeah. not what I want to happen. It's not what I would do if I were if I were the coach. But I think that's what they're going to do. All right. Well, I'm going to skip a couple tweet bag questions here uh, because, as usual, we had a bunch this week. And we're going to have to prioritize here. Uh, but this keeps coming up, so let's just put it to bed. Spencer Thomas on Facebook. And, of course, if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, you can do it at facebook.com slash rise and shout. Do you think it wise for BYU to schedule Utah on Thanksgiving weekend? Hashtag tweet bag. Hashtag rise and shout. Hashtag climb on in. Matt, if the option was available, we'll get to whether it will be or not here in a second. But if the option were available, would you schedule Utah for Thanksgiving weekend? Hey, 
Can, do you wonder, like, when people do a search for the – because there's other people that use the hashtag tweet back. Do you wonder what people think when they pull up some of these tweets and they also have the hashtag climb on in? <laughs> I have like, no doubt. What do people without context think about that? Hey, hashtag? you started this whole climb on in nonsense. Climb so on it's, in. I think it's, I think it's, it's all great, on you. and I'm proud of Spencer for using it. I'm anyway, not, so you're, not as proud. So you've got a two-part question. One is you know, whether or not it's likely. We'll tackle that in a minute. But this first question is, would you do it? No. There is zero benefit to playing this game right now. Zero. There is nothing to gain for BYU by playing this game. Do not schedule it. So I'm going to say something that's controversial to a lot of people. Because you see these models where BYU has a 25% chance to get in the college football playoff. You have to understand that's 25% chance to get in the college football playoff based on what we know today. But some good analysts have gone through and said, listen... They don't have a 25% chance because in the end, what what has to happen for them to get in is so improbable that it's, um, you know, they would need to play Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M. They'd have to play one of these other top 10 teams, other college football playoff qualifiers as basically a quarterfinal, if you will, to get into the final four. So if anybody thinks this will help our college football playoff resume, the answer is Utah's not good enough to do that. You need one of these elite teams, Wisconsin maybe. Uh, heck, maybe Indiana this year. But um, you, you'd need one of these elite teams, right? So I don't know what this does for us. It helps Utah because they get a game. Uh, and obviously they're struggling to play football this year. Uh, but I would say for BYU... Uh, this win is better than San Diego State, but probably not as good as Boise. So I don't understand what it does for us. Um, if Homo schedules it, I'm fine and let's play it. But um, I don't. I would not be aching to make that the game, right? If it was Oregon, sure. Because then you beat Oregon, you got a chance at the college football playoff. Um, which would make this an all-time great season, right? If you made it to that. Now, as far as whether it's going to happen, the Pac-12 has made no announcement or no some assistant to Larry Scott, which means, like, is is that the assistant to the regional manager um, type of thing? Uh, has said so something it's, like... It's Dwight Schrute. It's Dwight so Schrute. Dwight Schrute has said something. Dwight Schrute has said something to uh, as he works for Michael Scott, I mean, Larry Scott, Um that that they might be looking at those options. As of today, the Pac-12 teams, from my understanding, are not allowed to do out-of-conference games. So they would have to change course on this. And until that happens, I would say the probability of us playing a Pac-12 team is near zero. And, and let's think about this from Utah's perspective for just a minute. If I'm the University of Utah, do I even want to play this game? No, you don't want it either. I don't. I don't want it or need it, right? So what? Your season. I'm trying. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, buddy. Because your season is what it is, right? I mean, it's you're going to play your Pac-12 schedule. What you're trying to do is get into a New Year's Six bowl. You're going to talk about going to the playoffs, but we all know that's not happening. You're trying to get into a New Year's Six bowl or another decent bowl game. Yeah, playing BYU does not help you. You you've got some games inside of your conference that give you what you need on your resume. 
and losing this game would knock you out of contention for the type of bowls that you're trying to get into. No, it doesn't. Like, there's, yeah. there's, it doesn't. It doesn't help you in any way if you're the University of Utah. I don't know why they would want to play it either. No, I don't think they would either. I mean, I just their their season is kind of a disaster, right? They haven't played a football game yet. Everybody else has played, and th- you know, uh, hopefully they get to play. But you know, they they're in a lot of ways. If you're Whittingham. You may not even have that as a goal. You may say that's a goal. You may say at this point, well, I'm going to develop some kids. I'm going to use these as exhibition games because in the end, I'm not going to the college football playoff. I'm probably not getting a New Year's Six Bowl. And none, all of these all of these players get to come back with the same amount of, of um, eligibility next year, right? So, I, I mean, I've seen Utah writers and fans say that right i'm not making that up like maybe this is a time not that you pun on the season he's going to try to win every game but to your point why throwing byu on now you want to play byu next year at full strength when you've had a running start at us right um so want to play byu in a week or or do we even want to play utah in a year where you could that week lose four players to COVID? Yeah. Like does anybody want to play that game? Or or what if you what if you what if yeah shoot, nobody wants this, right? But what if you play that game and then a week later somebody tests positive and now they miss the San Diego State game or they miss something else. You know what I mean? I just it's not there's just I don't know I don't know why anybody would want to play this game this year. Yeah. Uh Chris Murphy that's at C Murphy Pro on Twitter says, Should teams be penalized or rewarded for how they navigated the pandemic? Is it a reflection of leadership? Hashtag tweetback. Uh, Matt, is it a reflection I, of leadership? I mean, there's some of that for sure. Yeah, I think there is a reflection of leadership here, right? We look, but I don't. I, I look at that more on a conference basis than a team basis. Um, yeah, having you know, a we, breakout at of your yeah, team, I'm not going to criticize. Most of the country has COVID right now. I'm exaggerating, right? But I mean, 39 states or whatever at their highest peak. I, I don't know that the coaches, uh, yes, but I mean, BYU had it early. Major League Baseball had it early, right? You can, almost everybody who hasn't been in a bubble has had a spike at the beginning, right? And the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are no different. And it's getting worse across the country. So I don't, I'm not going to fault an individual coach that, oh, they've got some positive uh, cases that that's a lack of leadership, right? Yeah, but I think where the where the good leadership comes in in this case is conferences and programs that figured out, okay, we're going to put safeguards in place to try and protect our players and be safe and, and go ahead and you know, forge ahead and put together a schedule. And we won't put fans in the seats and we'll wear masks in practice and we're going to do these things. And they figured out a way to work around it. And I, I think that the, the system is going to reward those teams because look at the way this is playing out. The teams that started playing early uh, got a lot of attention in the polls and continued to do so. These teams that uh, they got started late and kind of didn't figure it out and put together some half-baked plans late to to get this together are now struggling to get their season off the ground and may not, you know, and, and some are saying may not play enough games where they merit consideration for New Year's Six Bowls and, and playoff games. So I, I, you know, it's it, it's a tough situation. I wouldn't have wanted to be decision makers in any of this, and so it's I have a I have a little bit of a hard time going after you know commissioners of conferences and and administrators that uh, that decided not to 
not to play and then flipped course. Um, I, I would feel better about their decision not to play had they stuck with it instead of, you know, taking this, uh, taking what they described themselves as a moral stand and then uh, flipping their decision completely based on economics. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the system is rewarding the teams that figured out how to do this right, keep their players uh, as safe as possible, and go ahead and play a season. Like The, the system is just going to take care of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they will be penalized and rewarded, um, just like you said. And you said you weren't going to be critical of them, but then you were actually kind of critical there at the end. So I'll just throw well, in. I don't want to see. I, what I'm saying is I'm not going to be critical, critical of some a programs or somebody's decision not to play. But what I will be critical of is if you're going to make that decision and take that stand, then you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to to, to stick with that. Yeah, and not reverse a moral decision based on dollars. Well, what I'll say is this. I don't have any problem. You and I said this from the beginning. We don't have any problems with decisions not to play. What I had a problem was was the moralizing by the presidents of some of these universities that somehow these, and this is going to sound political, but it's not, these liberal elite universities on the West Coast and the Midwest that were somehow smarter and more moral than the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, which was always a load of crap and um, that proved out to be a load of crap because they decided several weeks later to play, despite the fact that we knew almost nothing different from, from the virus. Like you said— And the protocols they're putting in place are for the most part the same, except for a couple places where they're making their quarantine time and distance a, a little bit— Oh, a, L.A. A County is insane. Like, it's but, insane. Uh, but— they're not. There's. There was no new information when they changed no. their minds. No, they changed their minds because oh crap, they're playing football. They're going to make money and they're going to have the college football playoff without us. Is why why they changed their mind, right? And they had a bunch of coaches and players and people sitting there going, "See, you can play games." Um. And so anyway, all right. Well, just a reminder: you can support this podcast at Patreon.com/slash Rising Shout, like Johnny Ashton does, and he. Won twenty five dollars to uh, the BYU bookstore, which we haven't delivered yet, but but we will, Johnny. He sent us an email, so I will take care of that. Um, so, why Mountain today? Our big segment is on how good is this football team, Matt? Now that we've had a chance, we've got eight games under the belts, uh, big data set, much better than what people are saying nationally. Because, quite frankly, if you beat teams by this much, it tells you quite as much as if you play good teams. I know people will disagree with that, but at, historically that's been the case, right? Uh, teams that win by this many points, when they do get a chance, look at Boise State uh, and Utah and those Fiesta Bowls, right? When they get a chance, they typically are competitive and can win against the big boys. Um, but how good is this team? So Shea Smith on Facebook says, with college football playoff rankings coming out next week, will BYU drop? If so, how far do they fall in those rankings? Curious to get your take. Well, they don't have to drop because the rankings, college football rankings are always different than the polls historically have been different. I think, I guess what he's saying is, will we be eight or better in the college football playoff rankings? What do you think, Matt, in those initial rankings? I, I don't think we come out higher than eight in those initial rankings. I, I think we probably grade out at like a nine or a 10. Um. 
which which is fine, and and I don't and I don't know, think we should talk about that as oh this is a drop in the polls because it doesn't really change your position very much. I don't think, um, you know, and I and I've said this over and over again. I I don't believe that uh, we have a real legitimate shot of seeing BYU in the the college football playoff. I think we have a much more. I think we do have a real, very real shot at playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. And so, but but if you're in that eight, you're you're sitting at eight in the AP and coaches poll, and then the college football playoff poll comes out, and they've got you down somewhere around ten, you're still you're still in New Year's Six Bowl range. All of this requires a certain amount of chaos at the top. We've been talking about that since week three, probably. That this requires some chaos at the top, and right now. If you're looking at the college football playoff, Alabama is in, okay, barring something crazy. Notre Dame or Clemson are in, all right? Ohio State is likely in. So that's three spots guaranteed to not be BYU. I don't know who the fourth team's going to be. There's a lot of possibilities, but it's not going to be Cincinnati and it's not going to be BYU. I mean, I, I don't think it's... also not going to be Indiana, just to make that clear. Well, yeah, because they're going to get beat by Ohio State this week. But is oh. it Wisconsin? Probably not. Is it Florida? Perhaps. Is it Texas A&M? Perhaps. Is it Clemson and Notre Dame? Yeah, if they split the ACC and Notre Dame's one loss is a neutral field tight loss to Clemson and they beat Clemson once, you could put them in the playoff. Right? Yep. And the argument, of course, when Lawrence gets back will be that Clemson is the best team, um, you know, or one of the best teams in the country and wouldn't have lost that game. I don't actually think that's true, but but I, I can buy that argument. Um, now, what you need is Notre Dame to beat them again, Ohio State to somehow lose in such a way that they that one loss Ohio State's not more attractive than BYU, which I don't know if that's possible um and you've got other teams like oregon miami um oklahoma state and others that will that will jump us if they keep winning so uh, to me the season is about getting into new year's six bowl not the college football playoff um but i i agree with you we're probably it depends on how things work this week right with the scores but we're probably 10th 8 9 10 in that initial ranking Assuming we beat North Alabama this week. Yeah, just kidding. But but I think if we come out in this first in this first iteration of that poll in like a nine or ten range, you beat Northern Alabama or North Alabama, you beat San Diego State, um, you probably stick it around in that same range without yeah. an additional game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh so Sweeney has a second question for us. Let's assume college football playoff is off the table. Good assumption, Justin. Best possible New Year's Six Bowl matchup, and he's got some for us. BYU versus Oregon as the Pac-12 champ. BYU versus Oklahoma State as the Big 12 champ. BYU versus Florida or Texas A&M as the SEC runner-up. BYU versus Cincy. Barf, he says. Cincy is good, but I hate it when they match up the non-P5s. Or BYU versus the Big Ten runner-up, Indiana or Wisconsin, hashtag tweetbag. Uh, out of those matchups that he puts on the table, Matt, what would be your first choice? Um, my first choice there would be Oklahoma State. 
Really? Is that because yep. we have the best chance of beating them? I think we have the best chance of beating <laughs> them, and they're a conference champion. Yeah, yeah. I so would. I think that I think you want to beat a, a P five conference champ. That's the program that of of the ones that are on this list. That's the team I think you know between them and Oregon. It's pro- it might be close. I don't know, but I think that's the team we beat. I would I would like either of those matchups. My favorite could be Florida. I think that could be a game where we both score like sixty points. Uh, and two Heisman Trophy finalists potentially battling it out in a bowl game. It'd be cool. And an SEC second place. I'd love to play Oregon, beat them, and declare ourselves the Pac-12 champs. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but we could say, what about saying we were second in the SEC? That's not bad. But I mean, That's better that really... than being Pac-12 champs. Well, that's true. Um, anyway, uh, so he says best uniform matchup in a New Year's Six potential game, he's got to go with this, which he had a picture of royal blue unis for BYU, royal tops and white bottoms, I think is what he had, and versus the highlighter green of Oregon. I got to go it's with like, that. It, it's like, a, it's, uh, it's like the, the NFL color rush, right? It's, yeah. That's what... That's yeah. what that looks like. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so anyway, Nick Nelson has an email question for us, Dr. Nick. He says, hey, Matt and Adam. See, David, it's not hard to not put my name in parentheses. Nick did it. You can do it too. Um, assuming BYU wins out, I see seven possible scenarios for bowl season, from worst to best in his opinion. Loss in some crummy bowl game that's not at New Year's Six. Win in a crummy bowl game. Loss in a New Year's Six, win in a New Year's Six, loss in a playoff semifinal, win in a playoff semifinal, and loss in a championship game, and of course, win everything. Let's rule out the crummy bowl game because my glasses are blue, but also rule out win everything because even my glasses are not that blue. Could you compare the other four outcomes to what I consider the best two seasons in BYU history, 1996 and 1984? Keep up the good podcasting, Dr. Nick. I think he needs to listen to more podcasts. Are we good podcasting? I don't know. I think we're hilarious at half speed, but uh, yeah, that's, true. that's probably the best you get out of this that's show. That's probably the best. Um, so those are the scenarios, which are loss in New Year's Six, win in New Year's Six, loss in playoff semifinal, win in playoff semifinal. Listen, if you make it to the college football playoff, I think you're better than 96. I agree. From a historical standpoint. Whether they can beat them head up, that's a different question, but... Historically, I think the only and you have an argument to make that you are better than the '84, but I think that's only true if you win the semifinal. Um, if you if make you win it, win the semifinal. That's an easy argument, I think. If you get to the it. final, you this is the best team. This is okay. the best season. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if you lose in a New Year's Six bowl, I think you're below both of these seasons. I agree, but very close. Right, that's- uh, I think you're. I think it's a top three season, or at least in that discussion of top five. Uh, if you win a New Year's Six, I think you've got a good argument to be right there with '96, because that's really what '96 oh, did, right? Kind of. I mean, there weren't New Year's Six bowls back then, but the Cotton that's Bowl. That's simply what that was, right? I mean, you beat a really good Kansas State team in a bowl game. Um, you know, and the '96 team played a tougher schedule um, than this team has played, right? 
Um, so, so you have to think about that a little bit as well. Though, actually, you know what? I'm looking at Sports Reference actually says that this schedule has been harder. Hmm. But it's not final yet. So we'd have to yeah, that's, look at that, and, and I and I, I we'd have to go through and really talk that through. Yeah, we'd have to go back. I, I mean, don't know that we've played a team as good as that A and M team was, but that well, but as the season went on, I don't know. I, we'd have to get back and really dig. Yeah, A and M was six and six that year. They weren't that great. Yeah. They were ranked right. when we beat them, um, and Wyoming actually is probably the second best team we played. Uh, they were pretty good that year um, in '96. Uh, and obviously Kansas State was was uh, a good team, um, top 20 type of team that year. All right, so I would say, you know, assuming we went out and we get a New Year's Six Bowl game, you're, you're up there with the best season of all time, I guess is what we're saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Brian Taylor asks about where we put this team. He says, is this BYU football team as good as the Max Hall BYU teams of 07-09 or even the John Beck team in 06. All of those teams minus the 2008 team ended up highly ranked and won their bowl game. Many of those teams had quality NFL players such as Pitta, Colley, Keel, and Beck. I personally believe the best team since 96 was that 09 team that ended up ranked in the top 10. Great team. Uh, 2001 team fell apart when Luke Staley was injured and they finished ranked 25. I agree. This team wins out. They're better than the uh, heck, you could make an argument that they're better than a 0-1 team even if they lose in New Year's Six Bowl, right? Um, so here's the question. Does this current team overtake the 96 team? And we just kind of answered that. They may have knocked off that 96 team. We laid that out. But what I want to ask you is this. Are they better today than that 0-9 team? Are you, are you willing that, to stick at your neck out on that yet? I'm not willing to stick my neck out on that yet. I, I, they've got to They've got to finish. But if they do, they do win out, and especially if they went out and win a New Year Six New Year Six game, then yes. And part of the reason I'm able to get there mentally is just running through what I believe this team would have done against the schedule that was originally laid out. And I know that that's a topic for another day. But as I look at that, and I think oh, it's about not. We're going to talk about it today. So what I th- when I think about what have, what made might have happened there, and what that could have meant for this team's ranking, um. Yeah, I, this team may be, if they finish this, uh, I think you make a very, very serious case for saying that this team is better than that 0-9 team. So we kind of forget about that 0-9 team sometimes. I don't know why when we talk about the best teams ever. And and I guess the reason is the loss to Florida State and the loss to TCU, right? I mean, those are the reasons. You got destroyed by two other teams. And, and I think that's what will separate this team now that 09 schedule was much more difficult than the schedule we're doing now. But and but BYU was in 09, not only did they lose those games, they also did not dominate the same way this team has dominated. They had some of those games, right? Uh, like against Tulane. Um, but they had some close games against not great teams, um, including New Mexico, including, you know, uh, but they they beat some good teams. Oregon State in the bowl game. Utah was decent that year, and obviously the big win against Oklahoma to start it off. So I would say as of today they're not better. But if they win their next two games and get into a New Year's Six bowl, I think you got to even if they lose that New Year's Six bowl, I think this season is either equal to or better than two thousand nine. 
Yeah, you, I think you're right. So, uh, Wilson's case for the Heisman. So, so Matt, um, I think it was, let's see who did this, Mitch Harper, uh, just kind of laid out the top candidates for the Heisman and where they're at. He, here's my take. The Heisman right now is Mac Jones to lose. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, I do agree with that statement. I think he will end up playing the most games of these guys besides Zach. And he is having an amazing season, right? Completing 79% of his passes, over 12 yards per attempt. And his team, of course, is obviously the best in all the land. Um, So, you know, yes, could Zach Wilson be putting up these numbers if he played for Alabama? Sure, right? He probably could. I'm just going to say, though, you know, that's not how it works for the Heisman, right, That in the end. But if you were handicapping this race after Mac, who's next? Um, uh, what's his face at Florida? Trask. Uh, it's probably Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence after that. I, I think him missing a couple of games really kills him this year. I mean, but I, you're probably right. It could be Lawrence. I think Trask is also having a an, – an amazing season. If And if Jones were to get hurt or stumble, I think it's Trask or Lawrence. I think Fields is there too. I just think he won't play as many games and that's just going to hurt him, right? The I counting stats. Uh, I mean, he's obviously having a great one. The other one he names is Book. Book's not even going to be in there. I mean, they I are not... put Book on the list. I mean, he had a great, um, you know, last couple of drives against Clemson and helped them win that game. I mean, statistically speaking... He is nowhere near as any of the rest of the guys we just talked about. And if you asked evaluators, college and pro today, if they would want Ian Book quarterbacking their team or Zach Wilson, I, I, I you'd get nine out of ten Zach Wilsons, right? And ten out of oh, ten yeah. on all of these Every other time. guys. Every time. So again, it's nothing against Book. He's do, he's played a very good season, you know, and. And obviously his team is quite good, but he's not in the top 10 of any uh, category except for he doesn't turn the ball over, which is is important. That being said, what's Wilson's case? If you were the person making the case for him, what what is it? What, why, why should he win the Heisman over Mac Jones? Well, if you look at what I what people are going to want to say is they're going to want to talk about um, you know the the completion percentage, um, you know the way he's you know the way he's getting ball in these tight spaces and 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 all of these things. The the problem is when you look at Mac Jones, um, the stats are also like just eye popping. Yeah, they are right? amazing. I mean, his completion his completion percentage is commensurate. Um. You know, at, at these, his touchdown to interception ratio is, you know, I also I think they're very competitive there. So I think you have a real hard time because I, statistically you look at the way these two guys line up and their stat line looks very similar. But you, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing anybody that that Zach is performing against a level of competition similar to what Mac Jones is. So it's just he's doing a more difficult dive. Yeah, and that I think that's really what's going to get it. But if if you want to make if you really want to make a case uh, for Zach Wilson, then what you say is yeah. But look at you know 
and this isn't going to sound this is going to come off as sounding mean but this is the way that national pundits are going to talk about this when they get there is what has Zach Wilson done to elevate the play of the players around him and what has Mac Jones done to elevate the play of the players around him which really becomes a conversation around like the the weapons on the BYU offense are not the same as the weapons on the Alabama offense at least that's going to be the national perception yeah and that's that's the case you make uh, if you're trying to push Zach Wilson for Heisman, yeah, is the, that uh, the, the the level of di- difficulty of what he's done is just as great, but for different reasons than what Mac Jones has been up against. Yeah, and, and I think the other one you have is his legs, right? He's got eight rushing touchdowns, uh, and if you take out the sacks, has you know over 200 yards rushing, right? Uh, and Mac Jones isn't that guy. Right, he can move around the pocket really well and do some things, but he's not. They are not asking him to, nor is that his skill set. So I think that's your other piece. I agree with you, though. And by the way, he also has a receiving. Um, he also has a reception. Yeah, if year. you take out his sacks, I think he has like nine rushing yards. So, yeah, not the same. Who Mac Jones? Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah. just that's somebody. It's just not what he does. But but here's the other crazy stat: if he, it, we'll see how many games he ends up getting to play. But Justin Fields is completing 87% of his passes. Like Justin Fields is very good, but I think what's going to get unreal. him is volume. It's going to be volume. Yeah, that's going to hurt him. It's just going to hurt him. It's what it's the question that Chris asked earlier in the podcast about, you know, are people going to get penalized for starting late? And the answer is yes, both at Absolutely. the team and player level. Now, in Ohio State's case, I think if they run the table, they get in the college football playoff, though. Um, so they're not going to get punished that much. But their guy may finish third in the Heisman. You know, no one's going to be crying for him. But he's having a heck of a year. I mean, some of these quarterbacks, I mean, you look at Wilson, Trask. Trask? Did I just say that wrong? Um, You look at these guys and you start thinking, holy cow, this is a year uh, for quarterback play. Trask, Wilson, Jones, Fields. Amazing. And and we haven't even talked about um, the kid at Liberty. Majik Willis. Yeah, whatever. He's he's having a great year. I mean, okay. um, and then you know the the other uh, Tagovailoa brother at Maryland. Yeah, he actually looks really good. That he, one, that one, looks, I will. He looks solid. On. He looks. Uh, he, looks he looks very really good. good. Like he got himself into the right situation. Yeah, yeah. But Trash, sure like you I mean, you look at Trash twenty eight, twenty eight touchdowns. I, I, it's it's unbelievable, and he's. Only completing seventy percent of his passes. Oh, right? gee. Um, you know, only only competing seventy, completing seventy. But you know, but his play has gotten better as the season has gone on. Yeah, he's he's having a great year. I mean, he could yeah. win it. He certainly could, uh, for sure. All right. So um, there was a uh, last question. Ryan Crockett sent us an email saying, "Hey, what's the prediction with the original schedule?" He referenced a Garrett McClintock text in which he they use the S&P Plus from Football Outsiders. And according to that, we would have beat, we would have been favored in every game we played in our original schedule. So let's go through this yeah. for a second. Utah, we have no idea how good they are, right? But assuming they're what we thought they were coming into the season, uh, we should beat them, right? Michigan State is terrible. We would beat them. Arizona State, a little hard to know, but 
um, should be beat them. Minnesota, who we've them in their one game, that would I think we would have beat that. We yeah, yeah. Beat that team. yeah. And again, small sample size for them, and obviously no sample size for Utah. But based on what we know today, Minnesota beat right. Yep. Uh, Utah State is a dumpster fire. Yep. Missouri dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. Uh, Houston, we beat them. So we there already you go. beat them. So we know the answer to that. Northern Illinois would have beat them. Yeah, right. Uh, Boise, we beat them. So there you go. Uh, San Diego State. Uh, yet to be told, but I think we'll win that game. FCS team, we win. And then Stanford, again, small sample size, but I think we beat that team too. Now, do you go undefeated with that schedule, though? I think the answer is you lose one of those games. I think you're Playing probably right. I, I mean, yeah, you probably do lose one of those games. I'm not. I'm not sure which game it is in there. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's Boise State. Uh, there towards the end, or uh, one of those games up in the front. But say you, know? you lost at Arizona State on the road, and then you win the, out the rest of the schedule, you might get into the New Year's Six with one loss. Correct. And that's You schedule. may still be a top 10 team. And that kind of gets back to the comment I was making earlier about how does this team stack up against 2009. Yeah. You know, that 2009 team finished in the top 10. Uh, but I, I think this team, against this schedule with one loss also might've finished inside of the top 10. And it's real. it's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see this play out. Um, but uh, I, I think this would have been, a, this was going to be a special season regardless is what these numbers are telling us. Yeah. And, and the other thing is this schedule was not going to be the all time best schedule. We thought it was going to be based on how the teams have played this year. Right. Again, Utah, we have no sample size. So, uh, you know, I I think they're a top 40 team, but I don't think they're a top 20 team. But we could find out in the next few weeks that we're wrong, right? That they are a top 20 team. Um, But barring that, every team except for maybe what? Boise, I think, is who we thought they were. But every other team on this schedule is worse than we thought they were coming into the year. Michigan State. That's right. Minnesota. Utah State, who we didn't think was going to be great, but not this bad. Um, Missouri. Minnesota was supposed to make a run at the Big Ten title. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota was supposed to make a run. It was going to be like the rebirth of Minnesota football. Our brother Don thought Houston was going to win the national championship. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Boise's about what I thought they were. San Diego State's probably, I mean, we've only had a couple of weeks of them too, but I think they're probably who we thought they were coming into the year. And Stanford, maybe a little worse than we thought. But, I mean, that's a lot of teams that were worse than we thought coming in. This schedule would not have been as difficult as we thought coming in. And, and and I think we could have gone undefeated or one loss based on the results. Now, we'll never know. It's all Look theoretical at these conjecture. spreads, though, right? Oh, yeah. Only this... three of these games are inside of one score. That's what I'm saying. I mean, your potential losses based on these statistics, right, are Utah, uh, Arizona State, and Minnesota, right? And, and I think Minnesota is not good this year compared to what they were last year but on the road their defense uh can play well you might have struggled right and arizona state i think like i said i think arizona state's your loss if you're going to give us one on that but none of the spreads only two spreads within a touchdown and most of them north of three touchdowns against p5 teams missouri right uh, Stanford, I guess, is a little less than three touchdowns, but still. Michigan State, they're so bad, dude. <laughs> like, 
Uh, but you know, they did beat Michigan. Yeah, but that's, I mean, everybody's beaten them this year. Well, this has been a good show, man. We had a lot of great questions. We did not get to some of the off-week type of discussions about uniforms, conference realignment, and other things that a few of you have asked. And we also, um, we I skipped, but I'm going to ask you this real quick. Um, let's see, where is it? Do, 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 do. Um, the USU one. Oh, yeah. Which of our assistants, oh. this comes from the Aggie fan, Dan, at USU, the right blue. We have a he. He listens to the show. We have a Utah State fan that listens to the show. Huh? I didn't know. Um, but which of our coaches do you think would be a good fit for Utah State? I will just put it this way: any of them will be better than Gary Anderson. Heyo, <laughs> man! I used to think. I mean, and he is a good football coach, right? He's had success. Man, what a what a disaster, right? Put Utah State on the map. I mean, his first run at Utah State was really good. I mean, I just remember thinking, crap, that game is not a given anymore. They are, and for a couple of years, they were just better than we were, right? They just were. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they proved it. They beat us, right? Um, and since he came back, it's just been a disaster. Woo, just terrible. Uh, but if you had somebody on BYU staff who's the next best forget about the utah state situation specifically who would be the most likely do you think to be a successful head coach walking out of byu and going straight to a head coaching job uh i i think that's jeff grimes yeah i think it's grimes i think lamb because he has some head coaching experience in his past might uh but i i would go with grimes i'm with you and you're yeah, not I mean, getting him. And if I, and if I were Utah day. State or another program and I was looking at this staff for somebody to hire, Grimes is who I would go after. Yeah, he's got he's got that P5 pedigree we talked about last week or the week before. So, All right, Matt. Well, we didn't do any predictions on North Alabama. Uh, do they beat the spread of a billion points? Yeah, I'm taking the over. I'm going to take the under just oh, slightly. I'm taking him to cover. Sorry, I'll take him to cover. Yeah, I'm going to take them to not cover. What is the spread at at this game? I'm gonna I don't know. It was 41 and a half when it opened. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's why I'm going to take a little under, I think. I think Wilson comes out of this one in the second quarter. <laughs> Apparently, the 41 and a half was pretty popular. Um, What's it at now? So what, 47 and a half is what I'm seeing. <laughs> And there's no there's no over there's no over under on the board. I'd have to I need to go to a couple different websites to confirm that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh the question is how many quarterbacks does BYU play in this game? 3, all right? All of them except for Jaron Hall. Yeah, I assume Jaron's not going to play cuz there's no reason to have him play in this game. Well, um, and, they, and they've said that. I think yeah. Aaron Roderick basically said they yeah. We're just this season. We're just going to let him get healthy and get right. So do you do so, you play all four? Do you play Conover too? I mean, I mean, with, with the combination of the rules of them playing less than a couple of games and this season not counting, I don't know why you don't. I mean, because if Wilson comes out in the second quarter, you've got lots of plays left, right? And I say you and keep you, the playbook open until at least the mid fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let him you put, let him run the offense. I yeah. want to see. Let's put. Let's get Romney in there with the rest of the the. the or I, I guess you want to see Conover, but let's see somebody else in there with the rest of the first string offense. 
at least with the rest of the first string wide receivers. I do not want to see Algier touch the ball once Wilson comes out. Just put him on the sidelines, man. And and uh, I I I think you do back, back up running backs at this point at that point. <laughs> but I would love to see Romney with the starting offense. That would be fun, and it'd be good for him. Um, but we'll see. It's I mean this is a scrimmage week, right? Um, yes. This is a scrimmage week. We've got a not good FCS team against one of the best teams in college football. So this will be a little bit. And now we just gotta. Get ready for whatever game comes next. Probably San Diego State, but you never know. Tom may pull something out of his hat. I kind of hope he doesn't. One of his Halloween costume hats. Don't buy into the hype, Tom. Oh, I, the course. The, the, here's the thing. You and I have said this before. He may want to and still not be able to, right? Yeah. I mean, and we may end up with nine games because there's no guarantee that us or uh, San Diego State doesn't have to cancel, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no guarantees in in 2020 all right well thanks everybody for downloading and listening we always appreciate it um if you enjoy the show you know tell people you know even utah state fans apparently are listening just know you of you fans well we're not going to read your questions anyway utah state fan i'll answer we'll we'll read their questions Um, fair enough fair enough all right well thanks everybody for downloading listening and we'll catch you next time go cougars